Before we get going into your Hockey IQ podcast episode, I want to thank our sponsor, Rapid Shot. Rapid Shot is the smart shooting lane. Uh, it's like a batting cage for hockey players. Very cool. Tracks your shot in three ways. Accuracy, shot speed, and reaction time. Uh, easy to use. Uh, actually, I used it when I played and was growing up. Very easy. Simply scan your phone in, select your settings, and start shooting. Uh, you can see your stats on the app and online. And you can check them out at rapidshot.com. Uh, great small business. I actually grew up with one of the owner's sons and have played with all the family members by now. Uh, just in local pickups here in Ohio. Very cool local business. Awesome product. I love it. I know quite a few NHLers have them in their homes. Uh, a lot of D1 programs have it at their rinks. So you have to check this out. Rapidshot.com. Check it out. Rapidshot, thank you so much for sponsoring our podcast. On the Hockey IQ podcast today, we bring on the one, the only, Andrew Alberts. Uh, welcome. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, this is great. And what an intro. I mean, the one and only. I mean, I, I would, if we had the Sedin brothers, maybe maybe we'd say that they might be a little bit better at hockey than all of well, us. They're way, they're way better. I, I don't even, I'm not even close to those guys, so... No worries. You know, everyone on the podcast is uh, comparing themselves to the Ultimate Hockey IQ podcast guest, Marty St. Louis. So we, we all have a long way to go. <laughs> Marty is uh, a brain for sure. He's, uh, you know, just listening to him talk uh, to the media, to his team, uh, his ideas, his thought process. It's uh, he's fun to listen to. So I, I, anybody can learn a lot from him. Well, some people don't have the uh, the physical tools. Some people have the cerebral abilities. Uh, I would say that's probably up my and your alley a little bit more, which brings us to where you're working with Sense Arena. So we'll, we'll dive into that. But I'm curious from your perspective as a player who maybe didn't have the, the gifts of a Kale McCarr or Connor McDavid like we see in the modern day, You know, how did you go about cutting out a career uh, for yourself? Um, good question. Um, well, it, it does go back to – so you break it down physically, mentally, right? So, um, the, the physical part of it, some of it's, it's, it is what you are. It's, it's six, four, two twenty. that, that didn't hurt me. Right. But then it's, it's, it's building up, uh, strength, endurance, your skating ability, stick handling ability, all that stuff that like, any player can more or less do. You put the time and you put the effort in and, and that's, that's more or less for anybody. Right. And it's a mental game that really differentiate differentiates, uh, the great, from the good players, the NHL, from the AHL, and and so on and so forth. So, uh, for me, um, I was lucky enough to be under uh, 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 Jack Blatherwick, who is is known for his his off ice development. Um, worked with Herb Brooks, the USA Olympic teams eighty three ninety two, uh, the Gophers back then when uh, they were a, a powerhouse. And so, um, working with him and and understanding uh, not even all the not just all the physical game, but just working through different scenarios on the ice when I was a young kid in high school and, and kind of bolstering that part of my game. Um, I, I had some of it um, probably from growing up following my uncles. I had four uncles that played D1 hockey, uh, which is great uh, having them as, as kind of mentors, if you will, as a young kid. Um, but as, as you said, as you mentioned, the, the cognitive game is what differentiates everybody. And um, I don't know. Mine was, wasn't quite near the Sedins, obviously. <laughs> But um, I made a home for myself, um, you know, making strong plays on my zone, 
uh, not getting in trouble, being a physical presence, um, playing solid D and, and the game's changed now, obviously from when I played, but that's what you needed from a, you know, a five, six, seven defenseman. And that's what kind of carried me through, uh, for my career. Slowly, but surely becoming a millionaire, you know, don't have to do overnight. <laughs> like some of the guys, <laughs> uh, anyways, so you're, you're, you're talking about, um, scenarios and working through those scenarios. So as an ex player, as a current coach and someone consulting and helping people make better reads and think the game uh let's let's just go through a scenario and let us go through your your thought process so you played defense retrievals are something that every single defenseman has to go through you know play out a scenario for us and what you're looking for in your environment and how you're thinking through a defensive retrieval and getting the puck broken out all right let's set this up where uh Forwards at the red line, I'm at the blue line going backwards. I'm playing the left side. They're going to dump it in for a retrieval, right? They dump it in. Before, first of all, I'm going to turn towards uh, the boards. Turn towards the boards. I'm going to follow the puck. So I try to keep the puck uh, in my line of view. Um, Before I turn, my first instinct is to, one, understand the player, how close he is to me. They dump the puck and the closest player to me, whoever it is, uh, his speed, what handed he is, uh, and what angle he's taking towards the puck. That's my first layer of looking and scanning. My second layer is, is who's behind him. Who's the next layer of players behind him? Are they directly behind him? Are they to the left? Are they on the far right wing side? Um, and what speed are they coming at and what angle are they coming at? And then it's all right. My, my third one in, Probably less important is though is what's my my third uh, my third layer of scanning and that's probably the defenseman coming up later. So I have an idea of one counting numbers of the opposition where they're at and then also I'm doing the same thing to my teammates. Where's my centerman? Where's my left wing? Where's my right wing? Where's my defenseman? And I always recognize what handed they are because I want to know who I can pass to and what position they're in or they should be in when I get to that puck. So after consuming all that information, I make my turn. I take two, three steps. I look over my left shoulder. I see where the opposition is, where he's at. And by doing that, I can also check out where my D partner is, where my centerman's coming, where my right wing's coming. I'll take a couple more steps, probably 10, 15 feet before I get to the puck. And I'll look over my right shoulder one more time. Is, is my board side winger following me there? How much time and space do I have on the opposition coming at me? And then also now I'm going back to that left side again, as I turn to get the puck. And then again, seeing where my D man position is or my D partner's position is my centerman and then the four check. So all these reads that I'm making are in different layers and I'm counting numbers. And while I'm counting numbers, I'm also checking off options. If I know the opposition's right behind me and he's taking away the board side, I know I can't go to that strong side board side. So I'm going to look to my partner. Hopefully he's calling for a puck if he's open. If he's not open, hopefully my centerman's calling for a puck. And so I should have an idea of at least one, two, or three options that I know I can do with the puck before I get there. And then once I get within five feet, uh, I have to make a decision. Uh, Time and space available. How close is that four checker to me? Can I get to my center? Can I get it to my my D partner behind the net? Or do I have to eat this puck? Um, And that's kind of the reads and I guess the process I would go through on on a simple dump-in puck. So a lot goes into it but it's all just about gaining as much information I can before I get to that puck. So when I get to that puck, I already have a number of options of what I'm going to do with it. Love that. 
And I think a lot of people underestimate how important handedness is. Like you can't just pass directly to the player. Like that's great as a starting point, but understanding the handedness of your teammates is so critical um, for you. What, what are you thinking about and why is handedness so important for you from one understanding the forechecking pressure and their handedness, and then also your own teammates? Well, what do you do is by, by locating sticks, it, it, one, it gives you an idea of which way they're headed. And so for the opposition, um, a lot, you'll see it, uh, you'll see in four checks a lot of time, neutral zone four checks where players will have their sticks way out. And the, basically they're steering a play, right? They want to steer that play, take away an option and steer the play to force you into a smaller area. So same thing on a four check on a dump in. So if the player dumps the puck in, he's probably going to angle me at one direction to force the play either behind the net or he's going to come from the net area to force it up the strong side wall just to make a smaller area to defend. And so by looking at stick position, it gives you an idea of where they're headed uh, for the opposition. And then also for my teammates, um, you kind of get to know like what stick they use, what to look for, their tape job, um, and what handed they are. So like when you go on the ice, like I know my D partner is typically a righty. He's playing the right side. I know what tape he uses. I know what stick brand he uses. Uh, I know if he paints the bottom of the stick, just so you have an idea. If you take a quick look, oh, I know that's that's juice over there, right? Or whoever it was. Um, and so by knowing the stick position, it gives you an idea of, hey, how can I anticipate making a play to that player? Either putting it in a position where only they can get it um, or understanding where the opposition stick is so that I know to avoid it. So two kind of different, different scenarios there with the opposition versus uh, your, your teammates trying to break out. Yeah. And, and a lot of times people, like you can even notice when a player's overextending and get underneath the triangle, like that's also great. I feel like, you know, it only really works one way or the other, like forehand, a lot easier for them to bring that back in with around their backhand a little bit tougher. So I think that's important as well. So I, I love how you're thinking about the handedness one showing you what options are available and where they want you to go. And then two thinking about, okay, how can I counteract that? And then from the teammate standpoint of like, how can I give them a pass that they want? Like there's mm -hmm. some players that want on their backhand, like dry settle has no problem getting on his backhand. He likes it. And he's trying to get behind guys. Then you play with say like a Panarin who almost wants it off his back foot every single time and actually catch it on his forehand rather than his backhand. And just that little difference. I think that's, that's a great piece. And thanks for bringing that up. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it's it all comes down to it is getting to know your teammates too, right? Like, like you look at those power play, like it's even like the spin of the puck. Like if you know dry settles on that wing, on that on that uh, top of the circle, and he's one time in the puck, you're gonna want to spin that puck when you pass it to him so that it comes off his blade and it's gonna sauce him more as opposed to spinning it the opposite way and it's harder to catch the tape and take off. So it's little things of knowing what that player likes, where he wants the puck. You know, like it's it, but that comes with games and, and years of experience right of, of playing with those players so um it, it's a small things like that that people don't pick up on that can make a difference you know yeah and the further you go up the uh the hockey pyramid the more the details matter right yeah oh yeah i mean i mean that's that's the thing it's like it's like the nhl it, it's it was it's a game of chess. The first one to mess up, like, it's going to be in the back of your net. Like that's how tight it is. And it's a little bit more open. I feel like it's a little bit more open now with like all the comebacks this year and like the high flying offense. Uh, there's more goals per game. I think this year than it's been in a number of years. Um, so the offense has really taken off, but um, in the years I played and even before me, it, it was such a tightly checked game that, you know, when you make that 
that turnover in your zone, or you made that one mistake. It's like, you know, it's in the back of your net just because like players are so good at, at, at either causing turnovers or making things happen off a turnover. So it's, it was so important to hit your passes, clear the blue line, clear the red line, get the pucks in deep. Uh, don't have turnovers at your own blue lines. You know, all these little things that constantly run it through your head um, for me, because I know I'd be riding the pine if I, if I did make the turnovers. So yeah. And yeah, it, those it small seems, things. Yeah, and it seems like offense is being taught a lot more these days than it has in the past. Like there used to be like, get it to the point point shot. Everyone's crashing. Uh, and then nowadays, and I think probably your, your team's in, uh, Vancouver even where we're part of the the change with how the Sedins just hung on to the puck and their movement and how they're working off the net and all of these other little details and concepts that are so powerful that you're seeing teams use more and more. Uh, it's quite the game and where it's headed. I'm, I'm curious to see where you think the game is headed compared to where it has been. Cause where you were, it was kind of like what the dead puck era coming out of that and towards yeah. what we see today. Well, I think it's, it's one, it's, it's, it's great because, uh, the holding and the chippiness and like, uh, the interference is, it's all called now. So you can't do that Two, Uh, you look at the speed of the game, uh, the players, the skill level, like it's, it's been heightened so much over the last 10 years. It's, I, I can't even imagine being on the ice now and trying to defend some of these guys. Um, but you look at, I guess, uh, the philosophy now though, it's like you work so hard to get pucks. Like, like, why, why do we want to just go dump it in and have a 50, 50 race for a puck in a zone? Right. Like, obviously there, there's times and there's, there's situations where, Hey, like, let's just get it in, get the four check going, pound away, try to recover a puck. And then we'll go into our cycles and our offenses on play. Um, but I think now the thought is, is like, you know, even like talking to the twins, it's like, I know like they work so hard to get the puck. They don't want to give it up. Right. So that time of possession and I don't even want to call it time of possession. I just want to call it like team possession, like like possessing the puck. You, and you see it now, like the three on three overtimes, like teams are so more uh, dedicated to, to possessing the puck and going back and exchanging players on the bench, but keeping possession of the puck instead of just dumping it and going to change. Like it's so important now that you can create so much more off of rushes and having the play than strictly dumping it in and just racing for a puck 50-50. So I, I see that trend continuing. Um, and, and like I said, like, like the skill level of these guys is, is just the speed and skill level is, is, is at a crazy level right now. And you look at the young kids coming up and doing even more crazy skill stuff. I, I think it's fun to watch. It's entertaining. Uh, it's a fast game and, and playoffs have been great to watch so far. So, um, I, I see that continuing. Yeah. The, the one thing I want to see here is, uh, and we see it a ton in soccer. If anyone has a kid in soccer, watch a soccer, like, how often they pass back to the goalkeeper and like mm-hmm. someone gets drawn to the goalkeeper. Well, now there's the plus one. That's where you get your numbers. Uh, so I, and three and three, I've only seen William Nylander do it and dry will do it where they actually purposefully will be in the offensive zone. They're like, ah, nothing's happening here. We probably yeah. need to change, pass it all the way back to their own goalie and then start it up that way. And, and that's, that's real genius. So I just want to see more coaches embrace that more players embrace that. So uh, you can try that out with your squirts. It, yeah, you know what? I'll try it on my sport team first because uh, a, a lot of it is just like being comfortable with how well your goalie plays the puck, right? Like you think of all the goalies out there. Some of them play the puck great, some of them not so good. So uh, where's your comfort level with that, right? But it does buy you time, especially if you want to you change or something like that. So Yeah, at a co- college club team we had, our goalie was really good at 
having the puck. So it was kind of like having Mike Smith back there. So we would actually pass it back to him. The two defensemen would split and you would just wait for a four checker to go after the goalie. And he would pass whichever direction that guy came from. And it was a five on four up the ice. And every single time you're like getting the red line, getting the blue line, having at least some sort of a offensive zone capture and play it out from there. But yeah, it's, it's a ton of fun. It's a, it's like Marty Brodeur. I mean, he literally, you would go into uh, New Jersey and be like, all right, we, we can't dump the puck in, right? You know, like we have to skate the puck in because Marty's going to get it and he's going to find somebody or he's going to clear the zone. So, uh, you know, he literally changed the way uh, they basically made the trapezoid for him, right? Because you just go out and get it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, maybe they'll become a part, bigger part of it. Who knows? We'll see. Hope, hope hoping for that. Um, something that I'm curious from you you know, you, you were talking about learning the game and getting more cerebral and playing with, you know, the scenes who are extremely cerebral. Um, like there's a lot now around the brain. So I'm, I'm going to come into the sense arena here a little bit, but follow me along here. Sure. You know, a lot of players are having concussions these days and, you know, or just injuries in general and being able to recovery from particularly concussions can be really, really difficult on players. It it obviously hampers them physically, but also more importantly, mentally. So I'm curious, I I know you had a concussion or two in your playing days. Like how did you used to come back from it versus how to maybe you see players going to be coming back from it now? Cause you know, the big thing was always like, Oh, you got to give him two, three games to get his, you know, know, get back up to speed, get his cognitive abilities up to where it should be and being able to adjust. It's so hard to train for game speed, even in practice. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, my career ended on concussion, right. And uh, still dealing with issues today. So um, frustrating, but like I've been through that process. And like, the one thing I can tell you is that like, you can't treat everybody the same. Everybody is so different Uh, the way they, uh, react to treatments. Uh, some treatments work, would work different for you than they'd work for me. You know, everybody is so different. So there's really no one way to treat it. Um, you know, obviously things have changed from early 2000, once Sid got his concussion, it was, it kind of like everybody kind of woke up a little bit. It's like, Oh, Holy smokes. Like we got to look into this a little bit more and, and, you know, I guess treat it, uh, as something that's much more, uh, needs a little bit more attention, I guess I'd say. Um, and so like for me, um, it, getting back, uh, both of my, I missed a ton of time, um, on both of my, my, my large concussions. Um, but getting back from the first one, just I'll speak to that. Cause I, I was able to come back. Um, you know, it, it was, it was a matter of, you know, rest, um, working with different doctors to make sure everything's in alignment, your ligaments are fine in your neck for support, uh, your body's balanced and everything's firing properly. Um, but then it gets to like what you're kind of alluding to is, is then you get back to practicing and working out and trying to get back up to speed mentally. It's like, it's like, how do you possibly get up to NHL speed mentally without playing in NHL games? And for some players, like, you, you can't have concussion and hop right back into the playoffs. Like, like speed in regular season might be 75 just for talking points in the playoffs, it's a, it's hundred miles per hour. Like every shift is so important that, uh, to jump up, it, it just, it would be a very tough task. So, um, I, I don't, I don't know, like everybody's different, like I said, to get back from a concussion and how you recover and how you train to get back. Um, but a scenario I know that people have talked about and reached out to us about, and part of sensory is, is, Hey, can we do a game 
simulation in VR to represent the speed of the game or represent the speed um, of, of finding a lane, finding a pass, finding a shot, recognizing uh, a situation. Um, instead of putting a player in position on the ice uh, in harm, um, when they're, you don't know if they're ready to be back on the ice, can we put them in a VR device, in a sense, arena to go work through a game scenario and see how they react? You know, so that's one option, obviously. Uh, and some teams are taking advantage of that. So, um, but to tell you the truth, the hardest thing is, is the speed and it's the mental speed. It, it's not the physical. We can build up the physical part of, of your game that needs to be there. It's just the mental speed of recognizing situations, making your reads, your read and react skills, your decision-making process. It has to be like that, ready to go uh, for an NHL game. So. Yeah. I, myself as a former club player, so clearly terrible, but uh, I used to do uh, call of duty and I had some teammates yeah. who play call of duty at the fastest possible level and just try to react. Cause like video game is so quick and you have to react like the smallest of cues, someone yeah. shooting at you. So like that was our way of doing it, but clearly there's much better tools and much more representative tools like sensorina out there. So uh, I know you're involved. Um, I, Maybe give a, a quick 30-second background on how it was founded and, and where it's gone to today and in, in your involvement. Yeah, so so quickly, uh, we're based out of Prague. Uh, Bob Sativa, our, our CEO, uh, had a young young player uh, who's looking for more reps, more game scenarios uh, to give him, uh, you know, you talk about puck touches and reps uh, for kids to understand uh, game patterns, um, where the pressure is, where the support is, uh, basically just development as a whole. Uh, and so he came up with this idea, like, hey, like we create a game simulation. Uh, and that's what kind of how Sense Arena was born. Uh, and it developed into the goalie platform uh, for goalies to get extra uh, pucks, basically reading, reacting, reading releases on shots, uh, scanning movement, understanding your angles, your box control, all these things uh, that incorporate the goalie product. And then they moved it over to the player product about a year and a half ago, uh, trying to create a situation where You've already created time and space, and now you need to read and react appropriately to make the next play. So um, I, I hopped on about a year and a half ago uh, to take over the player development role, um, and, and I was sold right away. I went in uh, to check it out, uh, did two drills, and I, I saw the potential right away. as a great device for young players or older players just to work through game scenarios that you can't get anywhere else. You know, Unless you're playing in a game or you're working through these game scenarios in practice, um, this is your best option. Um, to get these scenarios and get these puck touches, get these reps away from being on the ice. So um, I, I love my job. It, it's it's awesome being in the development part and being on the cutting edge of technology. Um, and we're just uh, we're just taking off here right now. So um, it, it's been a blast. Yeah, and I think the cool part about your guys' solution to a very big problem with. Uh, players being overly skilled and under IQ'd, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I'd, I'd almost rather have the opposite problem, but you obviously want to have both of these pieces here. It's just being able to meet the player where they're at. Like you can train a scenario, but you can also alter the difficulty. So, you know, one scenario in the game might be extremely easy for one player, might be really difficult for another, and they can figure out what that proper challenge level is that helps them get to that next level. Uh, I'm curious to see what are maybe some example scenarios that are available in the game uh, and in the VR, uh, I, I would say it's a game, but I'm not sure how how to properly. It's a training. It. It's so so training environment. It's, maybe it's, it's a training environment, but the beauty of it is is that it's fun like a game, right? So if we can get players to go in and play 
and train and sensory in it and it's like a game, then we're, uh, we, we've accomplished our goal here, right? So, so to tell you the truth here, if you look at a drill in Sensorina, if the player is in the drill and he's going through reps and he has to make a read and a scan and then react appropriately and execute the play, we've already done our job by forcing him to make the read, to react appropriately. And then if he scores a goal or he makes the pass for an assist or whatever it might be, that's the cherry on top, right? Like that's him saying, hey, that's awesome. I scored a goal. Let's do it again. I'm already going. I want to go through, through another rep. But we've already done our training because we already forced him. We already influenced his brain to say, hey, I understand that guy's stick is right here. His toes are going that way. He's moving this way. I need to anticipate passing to him in this direction to avoid the opposition. And then he's going to give it back. I have to get open and shoot the bucket score, right? So I've already made, we've already done our job by making him, forcing him to make those reads and scans to execute the play properly. If he scores the goal or makes the pass, that's just a cherry on top for us. Yeah. And there's, there's no coach there ready to scream at you that you should have went glass that, out. That's, but that's the other side of it, right? So like, like, like you think of the environment in practice or in games, you're getting yelled at from a coach some places, right? Johnny, why can't you make this play? You got to make that play up the board, this and that. Like now you can go into a, a into a scenario and you can work on all the reps you want in a drill because it's all about you. It's all about your development. You can change the parameters in which you play the drill and there's no outside influence. It's all about you working on your game to develop your game to be a better player. So It's gorgeous. Love it. Um, I'm curious, are you using this with your squirts already? So uh, so my little guy, my, my son is nine. Um, he likes to hop in every now and then. Um, I, I mean, we're still like my philosophy on the development is like, let's work through drills that help with their development fundamentals, passing, skating, uh, making plays, having their head up, not giving the puck away, having patience to make a play. So we're always about making plays. Um, and it has to be fun. Like at this stage, everything has to be fun. Like these guys, I want them coming back for next practice saying, Hey, that was awesome. I can't wait for next practice or, or next game. Can't wait to go play my next game. Uh, and so it's all about fun. Um, and there's certain ages where I, I think you, you start to develop those cognitive skills of understanding patterns in the game and being better at understanding uh, where your support is or supposed to be right. And where the, where the pressure is coming from. And so he's just getting to that age where they're, they obviously have to read and react, right. They're, they are scanning the ice. They have to make plays, right? Like we don't want our kids just going to the red line and dumping it in. Like that's boring hockey. Like we want to have that puck. We want to make plays. And so uh, he's slowly gotten into it uh, and he likes it a lot because it, it's challenging for him and he can continue to change uh, the parameters in which to make it more challenging uh, or to try different drills. Um, but funny thing is like, he always ends up going to the drill where you collect the rebound off the goaltender and try to go top cheese. So <laughs> As much as I want him doing some of the other drills, I just want him to have fun. And he gets in there and, and he has a blast, but it's it's always, Dad, can I do quick strike rebound? And I'm, I'm like, yeah, buddy, hop in, you know? So um, that's what he kind of gets after. Um, but I just, I want him to have a good time and, and enjoy it. So it's all good. Yeah, as long as they're having fun, continuing a love for the game. Uh, I mean, I know a ton of players that played high-level hockey or played AAA and then, yeah, kind of lost the passion for it. It's like we're doing this for so long. It's so tough. Uh, you know, it can be a slog. So having the fun and the passion and keeping it that way, I think that's a great approach for all folks to think about is how do we make players want to come back to the rink excited to come to practice? Like I remember when I was a kid, that was the greatest thing ever for 
me. It's like, I am excited to go to the rink every single day, mm-hmm. work on my game, try new things, just compete against friends. And it was never about like, oh, I need to go to the rink so I can get this many shots in and this many minutes of stick handling. And, you know, cause then you're just disconnected. You're not being creative. You're just going through the motions. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a coach's job is all about, uh, creating a, a fun learning environment that the kids have fun and they're learning something. And if you can do both and they don't know they're learning, they're just having fun. Like that's, that's what you're aiming for. Right. And so if they want to come back the next day, like you've done your job. So, um, that's kind of the message I push out there. And, and I know kids that go to the rink and they're miserable and they stand in line lines, lines kill me. Sorry. Like, like practice lines in practice. Like, it kills me because you only have one or two kids working. Like let's get everybody working in different drills, uh, you know, station-based practices, like the more drills we can get these kids to go through, the more puck touches, the more reads, the more read and react they have to do. Like we're just helping them out for the next session that they're on the next game. they're in, And that's kind of a philosophy. Oh man. Hating on lines. That's uh, I'm all about that. Like skating. Like I love going to a power skating and all you see is kids in lines going up and down yeah. the rink and then they <laughs> yeah. talk and like, by the time they get exposure to the movement pattern, like eight times, it's been maybe five minutes if you're yeah. lucky. And, and meanwhile, like you could just have them like do like follow the leader in ovals mm-hmm. around the rink and they'd, they'd get more out of that in two minutes than you would in a whole like 10 minute segment. And all you have to do is practice one little thing at a time. So I'm always yeah. about like ovals over lines. If we're doing anything like that ovals over lines or even better, just chaos, like find a, a reason to make it chaos. Like I love throwing in, so you got 20 kits throw in like seven pucks in a zone or eight pucks in a zone and just have at it. Just keep it. Just keep it. Like, there you go. Puck protections, checking your shoulders, figuring out how to, you know, maybe I'm like, ah, I'm just not doing anything over here in the corner. Then bam, gotcha. You know, like it could be all these fun little things where it's, it's a chaotic environment. Cause at the end of the day, like you're talking about, it's all about reads uh, and sorting out the chaos of the game. And and, and chaos is, is the exact word, right? It's like you create chaos and conflict. Well, you're going to have to deal with that in a game, right? And so, like you just said, a drill where 20 guys are in a zone and you have seven bucks, like they have to make their reads. They have to use their scan ability. They have to use their stick skills. They have to look around. They have to scan. They have to react. They only have so much time and space. All these things are incorporated into throwing seven pucks in a zone with 20 players. And, and they have no idea about this, but they have a blast because they're competing. And then they're all tired at the end too. So the parents love it too. So everybody wins. Yeah. Yes. And as, like they say, just give the kids a, a piece of candy on the way out. They'll, they'll love you forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's fun. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I can go all day on that. I, I think we should get rid of whiteboards as coaches too. That would be great. You're allowed mm-hmm. to have like a, a thing of the ice, a little picture of the ice with all of the stations or all of the drills yeah. you want to do, yeah. but then don't bring anything out for the kids. Cause if you do, it's too complex. They're gonna have to remember all of these things in their brain rather than actually exploring the environment or trying out the drill. It's one of the reasons like, like I hate the pinwheel where you've got people on the blue lines and then you go around the yeah. circle or do something and pass your like it, it works on maybe some pass reception, but absolutely mm-hmm. nothing cognitively. I mean, it's terrible. It's almost as bad as the pretzel and warmups. Like, oh, I got a bone to pick there. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And then just just to touch on your point one more time, because you, you kind of hit it on the head, um, read and reacting, like, like let's get the cones out of the way, right? Like, why, why are you reacting and going around a cone? Like, why not a coach putting a stick out one way or the other so that you have to have your head up one, two, you have to scan, and then three, you have to react, right? So let's get rid of the cones, and, and every drill should involve some type of a read because that's what the game's about. It's reading and reacting. It's scanning, reading, reacting, execute. That's what, that's what the game's all about. So, um, 
uh, trying to incorporate that into every drill is what we try to do too, is, is like try to find every drill has a read and a react. And it's not just collecting a pass, going around a cone, taking a shot, right? Because nobody's getting better. You know, the kids might be busy, but they're not getting better. So uh, it's, it's all about, like I said, development is providing an environment where kids are having fun, yet they're learning at the same time. So well, it's even better when they can do it on the couch, right? Yeah. <laughs> Get the reads in on the couch. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, that's, let's be honest. That's where majority of the gains are going to be made. Uh, mm. I mean, especially if you're like, if you're trying to move up the lineup, your best gains are going to be made away from the rink because everyone is getting the exact same thing around the team and around the coaching staff. If you want to gain the advantage, you've got to do something different, mm-hmm. something better, something more away from the rink. Uh, and a great way to do that is just get some reps. You know, I always say, listen to the hockey IQ podcast, hockey IQ newsletter, read that. Like those are all great, but you know, that's, it's a lot of knowledge of the game and then you're going to go try it out, but we're talking about knowledge in the game and how are we going to sort it? And that's where I think sense arena and the VR solutions are so fantastic because you're taking all of this knowledge that you're learning about and where should you be looking? And then you're transferring it into like a game like situation. Everything looks great from above. And as soon as you get into it, it's a lot yeah. harder when you've got all these people and they're, moving in different directions. Uh, and, you know, even with like team systems, like how does this play out compared to a different scenario, different situation, different team, whatever it is. So I think the knowledge of the game versus knowledge in the game, both are critical, uh, but they should be definitely mashed together. And I think that's where, where VR is just so great at, at helping develop those. Yeah. Well, it's a platform that you can, you can train with a coach in the platform and you're not on the ring. So it's like, can you imagine a kid stopping a game scenario drill in practice and saying, Hey coach, uh, I messed up. I just want to do it again and again and again and again. And that's what you can do in sensory. You, the reps are all about you in every drill. You, you set it up however you want. You set the parameters to challenge yourself as much as you want. Obviously we have, you know, training plans out there that you can work through and you can, uh, you can go in through our, our, you do the player diagnostic and we spit out training plans of what you're deficient in based on the metrics in your drills. Um, so you are continuing to work on, we call it your development. It's like you put in, it's the time and effort you put in, you're going to get out of it just like anything, right? It's like, how much effort are you going to put in and you'll get out of it? So, um, there is a platform out there now where you can go in your basement. You don't need nine buddies and a sheet of ice for 350 bucks to go rent, to go create a drill and play in different game scenarios. You can now do it in your basement, work through different game scenarios, work through different drills that just work on using your peripheral vision or puck tracking, player tracking, uh, working air release, your reaction time, um, all these things that we can track metrics in, in our system, you can work on all this stuff. And so, you know, a- as a whole, we're just, we're just trying to get players more reps, more opportunity um, to understand patterns in the game, you know, learn to understand where your support should be, you know, where the pressure is coming from, and then identifying cues and all your scans and your reading, you know, and then the biggest thing is like, you think of hockey IQ, it's like, all right, well, first we scan, which take in all the information in our environment. And then we, we read, we make the read, right? So we identify cues like, all right, well, where's the stick? Where is toes going? What speed is he going at? How do I anticipate? And then it's like, the biggest thing is like, all right, well, now we have to teach them to react appropriately and, and execute, right? So we need to take all this information that we have and then execute it into the drill. So it's taking all the information, making the understand, understanding the read, what's there and then executing. So, um, it, it, it's, and the, the beauty of it is, is that, uh, it, it's all about doing something away from the rink, away from your team, 
right? It's, it's on your own and you're just propelling your development in a completely different way than a lot of people are. And I think that's where young hockey players need it the most. Cause like I said, the physical part of the game, anybody can train that you can train it on your own. You can train it with your team. Um, there's, it's such a big part of development. Now, uh, the off ice game, uh, the physical part of it. And now the nutrition has been talking about it and the diet and the rest. And now it's the cognitive part that we really need to keep developing and, and training players. So, um, sensory is the way to go. So awesome. Well, it's perfect time for me to put you on the spot. I think we need to work together to get uh, a code hockey IQ for the folks to get a little bit of a discount to try this out. I don't know. What do you think? We can do a code. Yeah. Yeah. I, what do you want it to be? I think hockey IQ is the perfect one. I mean, it's, it's right hockey up our IQ alley. It's, yeah. Hockey IQ. We'll get a percentage off and uh, you, you send me the link and we'll put it in the show notes for everyone to click on it and go there and use the code and get a discount. Cause uh, this is obviously awesome. I still think you need to read and listen to the hockey IQ newsletter and podcast. You know, we're talking about uh, a lot of problem solving here, but I think it's still uh, key for people to understand how do we be problem creators, uh, which is probably a lot more of what I'm trying to get into and I'm teaching offense and stuff. So I think we mash these two together. You listen to the newsletter, or read the newsletter, listen to the podcast and work on your sense arena reads and problem solving. I think we got some really, really good players. Now you got to do is find someone to get in the gym with. Yeah, that's right. No hockey IQ. No problem. I'll mark it down. Perfect. Sounds great. Um, where can everyone find you, Andrew? Uh, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate this. It was a wonderful episode. Yeah. Uh, hop on LinkedIn or you can just email us at uh, support at sensorina.com and we'll get back to you. If not, just check out uh, Uh and check it out. Beautiful. Awesome stuff. Excited to uh, see how everyone does. We got to maybe figure out how to find a community where everyone that puts in that code can compete against each other and see who the best hockey IQ community member is. If, if you, if you, if you stay focused, it's coming soon. Multiplayer is coming soon. So you'll be able to compete against your buddies or anybody across the world. So stay tuned because it's coming soon. I don't have a date for you yet, but it's in production, uh, which hopefully it's going to change the game and talk to each other, uh, see each other's avatars, compete against each other. Um, It should be pretty cool. Wonderful. Really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks. That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockeysarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch you, Buttes, here next week for a brand new episode.